0: Why are you here as a Christian? Find out next on today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. From the well, a Christian community, this is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Today, we're taking a look at Psalm 106 and the wisdom of evangelism. So what is evangelism and why are you and I called to it? Well, that's the subject of today's broadcast. Join us. Times of Refreshing is next. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.
1: Psalm 106 is a very powerful psalm because in it, it talks about uh, the journey of the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity through the power of God and through the, the leadership of Moses, and how God really used him as a, as a powerful instrument to see people uh, come out of captivity. But in coming out of captivity, we're going to look at verses 35 on down to 36. In coming out of captivity, um, this journey, and this, this is what this psalm does, it really highlights the journey. Uh, of them coming out of captivity, there were specific instructions, there were specific laws, there were specific things that God was asking um, them to do. And then ultimately they were called to be a light in the midst of perversion and to be an example to the nation's, They were a nation in the midst of the nations that were called to be an example to everyone else. And for us as saints, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a light in the midst of darkness. We understand the various faiths and things that are going on. But at the end of the day, we are the ones that are called to be the light in the midst of darkness. Can I have an amen? Amen. But it says this here as, as the psalmist is recounting what has happened with Israel. Coming out of captivity. It says this in verse 35. I want to read two verses here. It says. But they mingled. With the Gentiles. And learned. Their works. They served. Their idols. And it says here. Which became. A snare to them. In the midst of all being brought out. In the midst of cap- being freed from captivity, coming all, out of all their bondage. They were called to be a nation in the midst of the nation, to impact the nations. But it says here, they mingled with the Gentiles. It says here, they learned their works. It says here, then they served. You see the progression. They mingled. Then they learned. Then they started serving. Amen? And then it says, these idols... Which eventually became a snare in their lives. And this is what happened. And to this day we still see some of the effects of this. But there's a couple of things I want to draw from this. Number one, it says here they mingled. This here, the word mingle in the Hebrew. It is the action of taking possession of exchanged material. It says and implied sharing or association of, on, a meaning, on a meaningful level. And so what happens here, I like this, the action of taking possession of exchanged material. And I think this is what happens for all of us. Sometimes we get into it and we're trying to evangelize. Remember, you're not coming to to get something from unbelievers as much as you're coming to give something to unbelievers. What happens is, is we get into the mix of trying to evangelize and do our job. And instead of us being, see, this is what made Jesus so powerful is Jesus knew how to be in the midst of unbelievers, but he never was corrupted by them because he was mission minded. I'm here to give you something that you're going to need for eternal life. I'm here to initiate something. So what happens is for us, sometimes when we're, we're doing evangelism and it takes wisdom to know where the line is. Can I have an amen? In the relationship so we don't get corrupted while we're going out to see God do something awesome. Apostle Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. Apostle Paul understood that there's, there's, a, there's a place for, of entry. But at the same time, understanding there's a place of entry where I cannot allow. It did not mean that he subjected himself to the world's ways and systems and the ways of doing things and the corruption that comes along with the world, so that he might win them. He went in, he understood their customs, and around certain things, he was willing to, to yield, even though it may not be something that he would do in his own personal life, but as long as, long as it never uh, interrupted his relationship with God. And so, we're in on the job, we're in the schools, we're in the society. We're in the house and the only one that's saved. But we have to know where that line is. When we begin to mingle, we begin to exchange and take possession of things in our own lives, which we should not be exchanging, then what happens is we're becoming corrupted. And this is what happened. The Israelites were to be a separate people, but then they started getting around the people. And being around the people was not the issue. It's them starting to exchange and, hey, that looks nice. And then he says, the next thing here, and this is the next word I want to draw from this. He says, not only did they exchange or mingle with the Gentiles. He says, and learn their works. So now I'm mingling. And now, oh, oh, there's nothing. Oh, I like that. The next thing you know, we start learning the behavior of individuals. And we start allowing the behavior to become our behavior. Amen. And it leads us down a road and sometimes we can do this all in the name of evangelism. It takes wisdom to know where, uh-oh, you went, went too far. I can't incorporate that into my life. I love you. I care about you. But I want to have he who wins souls is what? Well. I want to have wisdom on how I'm relating to you and dealing with it because I don't want what's, what's going on in your life to become what's happening in my life. Amen? He says, not only did they, they learn But I like this here in verse 36. They served their idols, which became a what? Snare. They became a snare. This word snare here in the Hebrew, it means a trap bait. The lure or bait placed in a hunter's trap. It's not the trap. It's the bait. And so what happens for a lot of us, an individual gets snared based on the bait that has been placed on the trap, and sometimes it could be just you and the person have a common interest. Oh, you like fishing? I like fishing too. Well, let's go fishing. Well, man, what you want to do? When we got it? oh, you know, I'm gonna give me some brewskis, man. But I'm just, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we we going, and I'm, I'm gonna get my brewskis. You can have water. Can I have an amen? amen? And but see what happens is the bait on the trap. Then we get out there and you fish it. And you get bored. And you're not catching nothing. Man, I remember back in the day, I used to love my Michelob. That's tempting, man. But you know, I'm saved now, you know. Devil, I bind you. I bind you. Oh, you got to go to the bathroom, huh? All right, go ahead, man. I'll see you when you get back. Can I have an amen? This is what happened. People, saints, it's the bait on the trap. The bait, something that... The rat does not like to eat on the trap. He's not going after it. He's, you're going to place something on the trap that you know he's attracted to. This is how the devil does it. Even when you're trying to evangelize. And so for us, we got to be very, very sensitive. Let me say this to you. If, if, if you just got saved, and you're talking about going into the... And, and used to be a drug addict, and you're talking about going into the crack house to evangelize can I have an amen? amen you need to get you get yourself ready get yourself give us some time let us get you let us get you ready amen but the point I'm trying to make here saints is it is the bait on the trap that is snaring individuals and this is what happened with this culture realize they came out of idolatry they were in a society in the Egyptians where idolatry was all over the place they get involved with these individuals that are idol worshipers. And the next thing you know, the idols become a snare to them. And they serve these various idols. In the same way they did this, we do the same thing if we're not watchful in Christianity. I share with you a story where this person, through their interest, went down this road. And the next thing you know, they're, they're, they don't even believe in Jesus. And so we, if we're going to be evangelistic, we have to use wisdom and be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go to Proverbs chapter 22. I'm going to show you this. Proverbs 22. And this is going to help us to see how, if we're not watchful, getting around the wrong people, what's on them can affect us if we're not watchful. Proverbs 22, verse 24, on down to 25. Look what it says here. It says, make no friends with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go. It says, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for what? For your soul. And so this is what happens. We have to watch out. We have to be uh, sensitive. We have to be mindful. We're dealing with people who have spirits of lust and perversion. Spirits of anger and bitterness, jealousy, hatred. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We understand this. We we're we're clear on 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 what's going on in terms of our surroundings. Jesus was awesome because. He knew what the Pharisees were were dealing with. He knew that even Judas was a thief in his in the camp. He knew that what, what Apostle Peter's condition. He knew the, his surroundings. And so he made sure he never got caught up in what was going on in their lives as he was having an influence in their lives. We have to be mi- mindful, saints. Of the stuff in which we're getting around. If we're, if we're with a person, we're trying to evangelize with an angry person. You're there to evangelize them. But we don't want to learn their ways. We don't want to learn their ways. And we want to be sensitive of, of the boundaries that we, that we have around our lives. Until this person comes into truly what God is trying to do. Doesn't mean that we don't, you know, share our hearts. And share the love of God and the passion of God. We have to realize, and we're going to see in this in the next uh, verses, that, that if, if we're not watchful, what's on a person can get on you. And so he says it here very clearly, and he makes it very clear. He says, make no friends with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare, he says, for your soul. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 33. This is really good. Verses 33 and 34. This is really good. If I'm going to be effective as someone who is called to do the work of of an evangelist, I have to have wisdom. I have to understand my surroundings, and I have to know where the lines have to be drawn in regards to the relationship so I do not get corrupted. This verse right here is very powerful. Look at verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Okay? It says here, Do not be what? Deceit. Okay? So what we got to understand is self-deception. Deception is so powerful. But self-deception is very powerful. For all of us here, it says, do not be deceived. Don't convince yourself. It says, understand that evil company corrupts good what? Habits. You are, we have to be sensitive about who we are running with because evil company Corrupts good habits. We have this mindset, and I think in Christianity in our own lives, that what you know I'm 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 so spiritual, I'm so powerful, it doesn't matter who I run with. You've just been deceived. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived about this. Evil company is going to corrupt good habits. So if I'm running with a bunch of people. They constantly want to go to the bars and the clubs. And, and one of the things we got to do is we got to start asking ourselves, you know, where am I really at? If I don't have an appetite for prayer, hanging out with people that are saved and love God, filled with the Holy Spirit. We got to ask ourselves, OK, where am I really at? If all my running partners aren't saved. And my wife is always trying to tell me not to go to the pool hall. You got to stop and ask yourself. All of us. We want to be around people who are not saved, who do not love the the Lord, so we can go out and do the work of an evangelist. we got to realize, evil company corrupts good habits. When we're around people, we're there to have influence, to be a blessing, to touch them, to reach them, to be a light to them, to be an example to them, and to have impact in their lives. But we have to be very mindful, because if we start saying, oh, it doesn't matter. We're going down a road of deception, and we're going to find ourselves similar to this woman. This is the end of the story. Saints, we've got to stop and say, wait a minute. Evil company, it will corrupt good habits. I was doing good. And I want to say this to you. I want to say this to you. Generally, when the devil wants to really get you, he will try to bring somebody into your life to draw you away slowly. Now, I'm not saying suddenly, slowly. You know, you've been saved for 10 years. Love the Lord. Walking with God strong on fire. Full of the Holy Ghost. You just on fire for God. Come to church, pray. You feel the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, somebody you hadn't seen in 15 years. What you doing now? You look so good. Man, you don't got them bags under your eyes. Your, your, your eyes aren't yellow like they used to be. Look at your hair. Woo! Woo! you look looking clean. Man, you're not talking in Ebonics. You can actually speak well now. You look good. What happened to you? I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. You see? You're doing fine. And then all of a sudden, a lot of times what we'll do in our mind is we'll go and we'll get super powerful and deep and profound and prophetic and get all dynamic. And we'll say, well, man, maybe I should... Exchange numbers with you so we can we can have a prayer meeting. Saints, pause. We want to be wise, especially now. Watch this. Especially if you and this person used to have a relationship, or and see this is the thing. Let me say this to you guys. You know, I have guys. I mean, one of my best friends. My my wife will tell you, Mark was my best friend. I mean, he died. He went, but. I knew at a certain point that if I was going to make it, if he's going this direction, I got to go this direction. But that doesn't mean that I can't still reach for you from a distance. Amen. I'm, I'm going to reach for you for a distance. I'm going I'm to text you some scriptures and I'm going to call you every now and then and say, get saved, brother. You need Jesus. But, but I'm not going to the club with you. Can I have an Amen. I'll meet you for lunch. How you doing, man? What's going on? Praise the Lord, man. What you doing this Friday night, man? Well, I'm going home with my wife and my kids. And I'm going to sit there and have an enjoy, enjoy my life. Saints, there's nothing wrong with that. Understand, I, I want to just make sure this is clear because people get deceived. And they end up going down a road that costs them in the end. And generally, if the enemy is going to try to get you off course, he's going to bring somebody in your life who can try to lead you away slowly. Be sensitive. I'm not saying that you don't. I want to make this clear that you don't love this person. You don't care about them, that you don't reach for them, that you don't see, pray for them, and that you don't ask God to touch them, and you don't share the gospel with them. But when that person starts asking you to go down a road... That God hasn't ordained. All of us have to know where that line is, amen? Amen. They say, I can't cross this line with you, man, but I love you. Can I have an amen?" amen? And so the last scripture here is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I think this is appropriate for us to close with this as we go out these doors and we seek to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to use us to touch multitudes and to have an awesome impact in people's lives. God's gonna send people from all over the place. That you're going to be able to impact, but use the wisdom of God and allow God to stabilize you so you don't mingle to the point where you start to exchange, you don't learn, and you don't get snared. We don't want these three things to happen to us. Amen. Look what it says here in verse 14. It says in verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light, he says here, with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He says, for you are the temple of the living God. I will walk in them. He says, I will dwell in them and walk with among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I want to stop right there and I want to go back to verse 14. In verse 14, he says something here. He says, do not be unequally yoked together, he says, with unbelievers. And so he says unequally. So this means that in the relationship, I don't view the relationship as you and I are equal in this. I'm coming to bring something greater to the table than you're bringing in terms of the gospel and the message and influence. I'm not going to allow you to influence me. I'm here by the grace of God on assignment to be a blessing in your life, to love you and to be a blessing, to bring you something. So he says, don't be, he says unequally. All of us here, this is important, saints. Realize your, your influence has to, and I want to say this right. You never want to be in a situation, in a relationship, where you are dependent. Now, this is what I'm saying. Because this is what happens in a lot of times when people have relationship with people. If they feel a sense of dependence, they'll compromise their standard for the sake of agreement. Because I want, I'm trying to gain something from you. Be sensitive about this. Okay? He says... Unequal, He says, yoke together with unbelievers. He says, for what fellowship? Somebody say fellowship. He says fellowship. True fellowship comes because you have the Spirit of God. You have the same, you're serving the same Lord. And you're going in the same direction. If that is not there, we have to watch what we're calling fellowship. I have to view it as influence. My job is to come into your life and be a blessing. Because there's no true fellowship without the Spirit of God without serving the same god and going in the same direction. Amen. He says, "For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness?" He says, "And what communion?" I don't have common union with an unbeliever because we don't we're not saving the same god, serve, serving the same god. We don't have the same spirit and we're not heading in the same direction. He says communion. He says not only communion, he says in verse 15, "And what accord?" And what accord? has Christ what Belial. Do you know that word accord in the Greek? It means to play the same song. We're not playing the same song. Amen. We're not playing the same song. We're, we're, be, we're, we're, flowing to a different tune here. Amen. And so he says, not only accord, he says, he says, or what part? He says, what part? It means partaker. As a believer with an unbeliever. And what agreement? We're not in total agreement. I'm here to be a blessing to you. We're going to do, you know, it'll be a blessing. But at the end of the day, until we can get on the same page, there cannot be true agreement. He says, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and will be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be what? It's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. He says, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Saints, I want to say this to you in closing. Don't apologize from being separate. Amen. There's nothing wrong with being on your job and, say, and saying, you know, I just don't I, I, I don't, I don't have those kind of conversations at the water cooler. I don't live that kind of lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with you being in your family and and, and you may be the only one in your family that's saved and that loves God. But saints, stand in the position and don't compromise for the sake of acceptance. Stand. And then people you'll watch like, like Nicodemus, people will start coming to you saying, what is it about you that's different? I want some of that doesn't mean that you're self-righteous or prideful. It just means that you've heard the word of the Lord and you don't want anything to damage your relationship with God. And as you do this, God will stand with you. And you'll be surprised how many people are looking for someone that's demonstrating authentic Christianity, that they can come out of their mess. Let me say this to you. People will see hope in your life. If you don't get corrupted, if we don't get corrupted, people will see, that's what I've been looking for. Man, somebody that's faithful to their wife, faithful to their kids, faithful on their job, that loves God, not getting caught up in all this stuff. Faithful to their husband and faithful to their babies. And, and I, I want that. Faithful in worshiping God. Authentic Christianity is rare nowadays. Somebody's got to stand up and say, God, use me to be a light in the midst of darkness. And true evangelism takes this kind of wisdom to say, you know what? I'm not saying I'm more holier than that. All I'm saying is I love God and I can't cross that line with you. And I'm on assignment to, be, to have impact. Saints, don't apologize for that. Embrace it. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Rejoice in that and be an example wherever you go.